G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision Christian Radio. I will do that, and I am trying to keep the basics simple enough for fifth graders to understand because it's really a lot of logic, and uh, I I choose a fifth grade because that's where I learned that material things are made of atoms. And uh, if you look at your hands or any part of your body, that's made of atoms. So you can start by saying, well, where did they come from? And if you follow that a step further, you have to believe that it comes from what we put in our mouth and what we breathe in. There's not too many other choices, so that's where the atoms have to come from. So where do these atoms come from that we put in our mouth? Well, from our vegetables, our carrots and potatoes and peas and so on. And um, where did the atoms for those things come from? Well, it had to be from the soil and the rain and a bit from the air, and so you can really say honestly and logically that we are made from the dust or the soil in a two-step process, from atoms in the soil or dust to our food, and from the same atoms in our food to our cells and us. Made from the dust of the soil sounds very similar to the account we might read in Genesis Uh, of Adam and Eve and uh, I know that there's something intentional when you do say that but what we're talking about here is a scientific process as you say coming from the dust uh, to the food uh, to who we are Uh, there is a connection there isn't there absolutely and I think it's pretty logical steps Neil I don't know if you follow that but uh, there there really aren't any other sources for the atoms it's just the magnificent way that they are handled that uh, is where God comes in. And this was really proven, and I know some scientists hate the idea, uh, and they say, oh, you can't prove anything. So the first question is, well, can you prove that statement? And, uh, of course, that, that uh, thwarts what they're trying to say. But here, you know, none of them are jumping off high buildings to say that maybe gravity isn't proven. You know, you aren't going to see that happen. So anyway, uh, 2016, the Nobel Prize winners for chemistry got the award for developing over a 33-year period some really simplistic little molecular machines. They just have a few atoms. And I'll I'll compare that to uh, our blood cells, for example, down, down the road a minute. But... But they took all this time to assemble these very simplistic little machines. And um, I talked to another fellow that got in about 11 years ago, um, a fellow by the name of James Tour, a brilliant uh, American at Rice University. And um, he, he talked to me about what they have to do to assemble these things. They have to work on a solid gold surface. They have to operate between 175 and 225 centigrade. Once they fashion a few atoms into a circle to make it like a little wheel, they have to make a little axle to go through it, then another little wheel of atoms. And once they get something assembled, then they have to stimulate it with ultraviolet light to make it move. So 
it's totally unnatural for a start, and uh, we'd never get that kind of equipment to work inside of us. So my point is that what they have proven is that it takes far more intelligence to make the molecular machinery for our cells uh, than mankind has. So it, it's actually super intelligence. So that's what I um, call this super intelligence force that can do this kind of work. And um, the, the governments and our, the majority of our citizens call this force God. As Christians, uh, our idea of God is shaped by our Judeo-Christian heritage, by the fact that we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, we believe that is a revelation from God of himself. And so, uh, but but some people will have something in the middle somewhere, and 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 will will try and say, well, you're talking about a super intelligence. Uh, we'll call that super intelligence God. We might not connect that super intelligence with the God of the Bible. Uh, so, when you've got scientists who are reviewing the sorts of things that you're coming out with, Tom. I imagine their first step is not to say this is the God of the Bible. They're probably saying it, there perhaps is room for a superintelligence, but it may not be the God of the Bible. Is that what uh, you sort of the, the feedback you get? It is to a degree, and, and there are all kinds of variations now. Like our, our definition of God, I think, is getting a little cloudy, and that's partly, and, and I think mainly, um, or perhaps mainly because We've now got about three generations of teaching that uh, evolution is the cause of life, so what do we need God for? And especially for students going into university, into science studies, they literally get God beat, beat out of their vocabulary pretty much there. And, uh, of course, you, you better stick to the line that says, you know, evolution is the cause of life on your exam or you're not going to pass. So, uh, you know, after three generations of that, uh, you know, of course, a lot of the parents that have children going to university now are facing the same problem. And even from Christian families, their uh, young people going to university are attacked you know, severely in many cases with this idea that uh, there even is a God. Mm. And um, so we're, we're trying to provide science there and uh, really reviewing the benefits of what we're doing, it occurred to me that maybe the top one right now is to help the government defend their inclusion of God in their constitutions and so on, because they are under attack in that way. So here's some science to back up their position. Okay, let's uh, we'll get into some crunching some numbers here, uh, Tom, because I okay. know there's uh, I know there's some numbers to crunch, and uh, those yep. who are very scientifically minded will be hanging on every single word. Uh, hit us hit us with a few of those because uh, these things are mind boggling and yet so refreshing when it comes to our understanding of a super intelligence that we call God. Exactly, and and here's here's a couple of examples that I'll give you. And it just shows how carefully we have to be put together, even down at the atomic level. And um, if we look at our DNA, and DNA is a pretty popular subject uh, these days, and uh, of interest to a lot of people, and the, there are four bases that um, are, are made and, and uh, programmed together 
to provide the information that that is needed to make our cells function the way they're supposed to function according to the builder. So here's here is um, uh, two of the bases, and they're all very very similar. But the, the first two I picked here is uh, adenine, and here's what has to be done to make adenine. You have to find five atoms of carbon, five atoms of hydrogen, five atoms of nitrogen has to come from your digestive system because that's that's where the source is and um the digestive system you know feeds it to the blood system and, and uh, so that's how it gets to a cell construction site so anyway those are five atoms of each carbon hydrogen nitrogen then another base is guanine which is Five atoms of carbon, five atoms of hydrogen, five added atoms of nitrogen, one atom of oxygen added. And that one atom difference is how careful the these bases, which are made by the billions for every strand of uh, DNA in our body, you know, that, that's how much care has to be taken to put them together. And the other two bases are very similar. They're only different by a few atoms. So uh, that, that was one point I wanted to make, is that there's incredible care. And, of course, it's got to be the right atoms. You know, you can't start mixing zinc or arsenic or anything else in there. It won't work. So it's it's got to be these particular atoms. And uh, then for numbers, what what really got to me a few years ago was um, I was I was putting together some information from three different scientists that uh, had analyzed various parts of our red blood cells. A guy by the name of Pallister uh, determined that uh, a 150-pound male um, gets about 2.3 million new red blood cells every second. And then a fellow by the name of Tortora um, said, well, every uh, red blood cell has about 280 million molecules of hemoglobin. And a fellow by the name of Max Perutz, looking at hemoglobin, said, well, about every uh, molecule of hemoglobin has about 10,000 atoms. So if you do the math, here's the number, 6,400 quadrillion right atoms per second just to make new red blood cells for somebody in the neighborhood of 150 pounds. So you can relate that to your own weight. A biblical perspective of life, culture, and current events. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision. Well, some are and and uh, some aren't. And it's quite interesting to see, like, we have several um, good endorsements in the front of the book from PhDs and so on. But um, when you get into a conversation and start talking about these things and people go back to what they've been taught, it's very difficult to change some people's minds because this is a this is a concept they've been raised on, you know, through their their um, education, especially if they're interested in science and biology. So to change that basic understanding that they've been given by people they've relied on to teach them the truth, it it becomes difficult, and they start feeding back what they've been taught. And so I try to take them step by step on exactly what has to happen, because science hasn't gone down to the atomic level before, it seems. I, I've spent months looking for books that had anything to do with uh, um, 
biology at the atomic level. And, you know, we've, we've got cellular biology and we've got molecular biology. But I have a feeling now that maybe they didn't want to go to the atomic level because then, you know, intelligent decisions and choices by the millions have to be made to put things together. So it may have been avoided on purpose by the by the established community of, of uh, basically evolution teachers. And I'm, I'm not sure how flexible um, your science is in Australia, but in the United States, for example, boy, if you dare to suggest to your students that uh, there might be some intelligence even in the way living things are designed, you can be taken to court and your school board can be taken to court and they run you out of, of, of time and money to, to the point where they give up. And um, so that's that's the vicious opposition that um, we're kind of facing here. And um, I think I think that if we can persuade the Americans to um, first of all accept the concept, and this is really a no-brainer. We shouldn't even be talking about, it, but just to allow science to go where the evidence leads without reprisal. You know, I mean, that should be a no-brainer. That's what science is all about. Is it's it's following with the evidence where it's taking you, and that's how you learn how you know more more truth and uh, how things work. So I think it's a great disservice to our students and you know up-and-coming scientists. We're we're giving them a very dull tool when we give them false information instead of what's actually happening. Well, Tom, I suspect <clears throat> that in Australia uh, there is also that sort of animosity that comes uh, when uh, issues like atomic biology might be brought into the classroom, but I need to leave it to some listeners who might be able to contribute more deeply on the attitudes there. You're not even uh, dismissing the possibility that when you mentioned courts, uh, that you may even pursue some level of legal action uh, when it comes to how uh, scientists are not moving where the evidence leads. Uh, what are your uh, intentions or what are your, the possibilities there? Absolutely. No, I, I feel that that is um, an essentiality, the way things are going, that we have to persuade the government that science being taught in their institutions is should be encouraged to go where the evidence is leading and not blocked because that is putting a stumbling block in progress. And um, I, I see benefits for atomic biology extending into uh, better nutrition, better agriculture, better aquaculture, better medicines, and a number of other things, let alone the, the effect of uh, letting students know, especially the ones that might feel that nobody cares about them, that, boy, they are immensely cared for, and um, and here's how, and somebody is up there and inside really, really loving them, in fact, and um, and that might might help a number of them, because the, um, I don't know if you know the name Madeline Murray O'Hare. Back in 1963, she... Um, she got some other atheist friends together, and they persuaded the uh, Supreme Court in the United States to take prayer out of the schools. Okay, so that okay, was yeah. 1963, and coincidentally, from that point on, the number of teen pregnancies, sexually transmitted diseases, addictions to drugs and abuses, um, depression, suicide, they all really started to escalate, and it really 
hasn't slowed down. Uh, we have a situation here where we're losing in Vancouver about four people per day to uh, overdoses of opioids. You know, it's it's an incredible phenomenon, and I don't know if people are doing it because they don't feel anybody loves them or whatever. But you can get hooked very easily. That's that's just another aspect. I'm I'm just hoping that if we can bring a godly science to the classroom, that it's it's going to have some spin-off benefits in the way of uh, you know providing a moral compass providing hope, providing the understanding how much they're cared for. So that's part of where we're, we're hoping this goes. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.